welcome to Tech UK's podcast. My name is Georgina Marathefters and I'm Head of Local Public Services at Tech UK. And for this month's podcast, we talk all things digital place. We have some great guests from Mindfolio, Zoom and the London Borough of Waltham Forest who share their insights and case studies on how digital is renewing our sense of community and place as well as the future of local democracy and what the Council of the Future itself will look like. Hello, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr Jamie Sampson, Head of Data Science and Insights at Mindfolio. Jamie, thank you for joining us on today's Digital Place podcast. No, uh, thanks very much for inviting me. Right. Well, before we begin, can you tell me a bit more about your role at Mindfolio? Yes, I'm um, head of data science and insights, kind of as you said in your introduction, um, for a company uh, called Mindfolio, and we're a uh, boutique consultancy, and we, we work in the real estate sector, but we we don't really just deal in in homes. We we really deal with the whole of the real estate sector, from residential to to leisure and entertainment. And my role is on the research side. So the company split split into two. We have the innovation side, which is more to do with with visioning and placemaking, and then my side, which is really analytics. Um, and my role really encompasses uh, a whole range of things, from kind of designing new analytical innovations, creating bespoke customer research surveys, um, doing a lot of uh, desk research for for various projects. Uh, and so my my daily role is really varied. Oh, great. Now, that's really interesting. Thank you. And yeah, you mentioned one of my favourite words, um, placemaking. And this month, Tech UK launched its Digital Place Week. Um, and that was a week curating some excellent guest blogs from our members and stakeholders across local GovTech, exploring how digital is transforming our places and renewing our sense of community and civic engagement and we were delighted to have a blog from yourself Jamie and um, in your blog you highlight that we are swimming in information that can help us make more informed decisions. Now that's particularly true for councils, they hold vast amounts of data and this can be overwhelming for them. So I guess where do councils um, begin and how can they utilise data to better understand their citizens and shape services that meet their community's needs while at the same time working alongside them? As you alluded to there, they hold a lot of information, but I think that that comes with it a few issues. Kind of the main issue is the noise, is that if, you ha- if you're drowning uh, in, in, in information, it's really kind of hard to tease apart what are the really important things or, or what are the things that are really strategic to you? I think the best thing they can do is really create repositories that, that talk to each other. So if you have uh, two different departments working on two different bits of data, uh, the likelihood is that these data uh, won't be cross-pollinated into the other department. And so if, if I'm working in housing, there might be something to do with cultural innovations in a, in the local authority which might not be on my radar because I'm in my housing silo and so it's really taking this data and ensuring that there's transparency across the council so that different departments can use data for different means and then obviously that will really go a long way to to kind of creating this holistic data uh, re- repository for the councils 
Great. So on that, are there any examples or case studies you can share on how data is being used to help shape communities? Yes, I think um, if I start with, with an example that, that we're doing in-house, as I mentioned in my interview, we have something called the Community Audit Tool, which uses a large number of big data variables that we update regularly across the whole, the whole of London. And that really allows us to take individual wards and the wards around that and really look at what needs aren't re aren't being met uh, within that area, but also uh, we can also uh, look at things such as environmental variables. We can look at how much pollution burden there is. We can look at things such as uh, mental health deprivation in an area. And so we can really get a good picture of what's going on in that area. If we look beyond uh, something that we've done, I really think the, the cultural infrastructure map is a really great example of this. So this is something that the Greater London Authority have really pushed to. And this is an almost uh, live updated map uh, when they can of, of all the cultural amenities and services within, uh, within the Greater London area. And this, this was really designed so it allows developers but also local authorities to, to understand the needs of kind of the cultures in the area. Whenever we start a project within London, that's always nearly my first port of call is going to that and looking at what sorts of things are in the area in terms of culture. Are there, is there anything missing? But it's also then it, it gives me a full list of the things that are there. So I can go through each of those, look at how are they performing, who do they serve, um, how can they be improved? Um, and all, all together, this uh, allows us to be really directed in our at least in-house, in our recommendations. And if you're a developer, that allows you to be really kind of strategic in your in your investment. Excellent. So, so there's some, I guess, really good examples of, you know, what good looks like and the, you know, opportunities data um, brings. But um, I guess that isn't the case across the, um, the country. So what do you see as the biggest challenges facing councils and how can data help? I think the biggest challenge is really collecting uh, meaningful, actionable data. So there's lots of things which are which are quite easy to collect. So something like air pollution, you can just deploy sensors around around a neighbourhood or a community, and you can get real time uh, updates on the air pollution. So there's there's certain bits which are very easy to collect. But then there's things that are very difficult to collect, which are very important for communities. So measures of kind of community belonging, cohesiveness, if we take something such as loneliness, getting real tangible measures measures of that are really important because these are all things that, uh, that create a co co cohesive community. So you can uh, implement mitigations to reduce air pollution, for example, but doing things to reduce loneliness and boosting community cohesion they're they're quite difficult so it's really working out ways that you can collect data on, on those aspects great thank you um are there any real or perceived challenges both industry and local government still need to overcome to realize the full potential of data yes i think it's it's, it's alluding to something that i said in my interview it's it, it's creating something that's that's really national, so uh, a database that's, that's national. So the community audit tool that I have, it's London-based because there's such a wealth of data within London. The London Data Store, the GLA, they do a very good job at kind of allowing people like myself to access this data. 
but it's very difficult if if we had a project in Watford tomorrow, for example, I couldn't use the community audit tool. I would then have to go into a lot of legwork to collect that data. So I think it's really having a national infrastructure of really important data which can help communities. Uh, and then also collect that repeatedly. So we have something like the, the index of multiple deprivation, which is uh, a national database which is collected every five or seven years. And that's really helpful and that gives a lot of information, but there's certain things that it misses. If we look at something like the, the American Community Survey, that has a lot of really good information. Again, that's collected every five years. That has a lot of really good information and I'm just imagining something like the index of multiple deprivation combined with the American Community Survey. So we can get ideas of deprivation, but we can also get ideas of kind of how far people travel to work, kind of their sense of belonging within a community, for example. So we can basically create a whole big data set which can be uh, deployed nationally and collected on regular intervals. So we can see what changes in the area, what needs to be done kind of where do we uh, target investments to improve and, uh, and help communities? Great. I guess my question then is, what do we need to do now to get to that um, national data set? I think it's really uh, having a conversation about what data needs to be collected, because it's, it's, it's obviously a very expensive endeavour to collect this data nationally, but also at a very granular level. So I'm talking about lo smaller than local authorities, for example. So, so I think it's 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 a large number of uh, authorities getting together. It's central government just really kind of setting out a number of objectives. What do we want to achieve from from this? Uh, obviously, I have my own um, selfish goals in terms of kind of uh, how can we create uh, these really really wholesome communities, but also that there needs to be other bits of data that, that should be collected. So I think there. Before we go out and collect all this data, there really needs to be a strategy document in place so that there isn't a lot of money wasted on collecting data which just isn't usable or we can't action from it. Thank you, um, Jamie, for that. And before we come to a close, is there anything else that you'd like to mention or add? Yeah, so I think with uh, going forward with, with placemaking, I think it's really important that everyone takes an evidence-based approach to it. Because there are there are lots of things which are easy wins, but they may or may not be kind of helpful for for shaping a community. And so, for example, we might find that there's a lack of community centres in an area. And so, an easy win might be just to plonk another community centre there. But actually, it really kind of we really need to dive into that a bit more. So, just sticking with the community centre example, it's looking at the existing ones, and we might find that these actually service the communities really well. And so, it's it's not relying on this on this on this big data only to tell us how many community centres there are or aren't. It's really then going the extra step and really diving into the data and getting more granular, and and really going beyond just kind of that end product of of big data. Great. Well, thank you, Jamie. Um, so many insights and great examples that you've shared with us, and that's really painted a, bit, uh, a great picture of what the potential for data is for its communities and, you know, for the future of our places. So thank you. Um, thank you, Jamie, for, for joining us. No, thank you very much for having me. I'm 
delighted to be joined by Charlotte Holloway, Government Relations Director, UK and Ireland at Zoom. Charlotte, thank you for joining us for Tech UK's Digital Place podcast. Great to be here, Georgina. Thanks for inviting me. Excellent. So I think before we begin, um, it'd be great to hear a bit more about your role at Zine. Well, yeah, I mean, I am the Government Relations Director for Zoom in the United Kingdom and Ireland. And it's an absolute privilege, actually, to, to be in a role where you're really seeing some of the latest um, developments in that space between what's happening in politics, what's happening in technology and innovation, in, in communications more broadly, and also seeing, quite frankly, how um, society and the economy has had to adapt at, at pace, given the, the terrible events of, of the last year with the pandemic. Um, but one of the privileges that I have is to sort of see, well, where has Zoom had a really positive role to play in, in keeping society and the economy connected? And that's certainly played through in, in, a, in a series of ways that I know this, this podcast is, is pleased to look at. Excellent. And as you say, yeah, these last 18 months have been a catalyst of digital change for many councils. They're rethinking how services are delivered, what engagement with a citizen looks like. And um, yeah, during this time, councils have adapted swiftly to virtual meetings and found new and innovative ways to engage with citizens and their communities and as you say rightly so yeah while we've been physically apart technology has definitely helped us keep connected so yeah it'd be good if you can share some examples of how councils across the country have utilized tech for the benefit of their people and places yeah it's it's a really really good point and we've we've just had so many fabulous examples from people at, at local level particularly in local government which i know a lot of your audience will be be interested in in of, of coming back seeing how there are different different use cases that have, that have made a real real difference and that's been from I guess you know local governments of all different political persuasions all different shapes sizes rural urban through to obviously the sort of most high profile being Jackie Weaver and handful <laughs> council probably exemplifying um, that that kind of council meeting um, in action. But over the past year, it's it's really become clear and, and commonplace consensus that remote council meetings have the potential to bring, um, you know, great benefits to local democracy in in the longer term. So, I guess firstly, I'd say on this that they have encouraged record levels of public engagement with local democracy. Um, you know, I mentioned the Jackie Weaver example, but you know that's been viewed millions if not tens of millions of, of times that example um, and elsewhere councils have responded to households spending more time online by improving the transparency of decision making and actually we've seen examples where they're explaining how local government works in a way that, that has been quite innovative. A really good example of this is City of York Council which recently ran an Ask the Leaders remote meeting which reached about 12,000 people um, in their area. I think secondly, it's worth saying that those meetings have also brought a lot of more flexibility and helped make local government a lot more accessible. So the local government association have found that meeting accessibility has always been an important factor for encouraging groups like women, parents, carers to become councillors. 
Um, also for those with accessibility issues, you're you're removing some of the need to travel to meetings and events. That's not to say that, you know, face to face politics doesn't have a role to play, but it means that caring responsibilities and other things that, that sort of come part and parcel of diverse life in, in the UK, technology can help local government kind of keep keep pace with, with, with the people that want to go into these these roles. Um, you know, we've also seen how I mentioned accessibility that, you know, for councillors who are maybe engaging, they were able to use kind of closed captioning features that would provide live subtitling for meetings. Actually, we're getting feedback where that's that's been more beneficial for those with hearing issues um, than being being in a meeting where they might sometimes struggle to hear, which has been really, really good, good feedback. And I think the, the other thing that we're, we're hearing more and more about is the potential to save costs, actually. So if we think that take an organisation like the Taxpayers Alliance, they've they've estimated that holding um, hybrid meetings could actually save county councils and unitary authorities about six million pounds per year by reducing travel expenses. So really interesting developments we're, we're seeing on, on inclusion, on costs, on efficiency. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk at length about the wider benefits, but I'll, I'll let you go on to your next question, Georgina. Well, thanks, Charlotte. And yes, we couldn't have a digital place podcast without mentioning Hanthorpe Parish Council. So um, yes, it really did put the spotlight on um, local council meetings and I guess, you know, local democracy um, in action. And um, building on your earlier um, points, um, we've seen the, the survey that was sent to monitoring officers in all English councils by the Local Government Association clearly show the appetite for councils to continue with remote meetings. Um, the government did not extend the emergency legislation that would enable this to um, continue, but it has launched a call for evidence on the future of remote meetings. So, yeah, it'd be good to get your take on this. And I guess, what do you see as the future of digital democracy? Yeah, I think this is, is really interesting, just how much this decision to not extend remote meetings as part of the um, the latest rounds of coronavirus legislation, it has had, it's one of those issues that has got kind of cross-party support in the kind of those that are doing the doing in um, in, in local councils. Um, and, you know, we've actually seen, you know, just the real vibrancy of people going, well, this doesn't really sort of make sense, does it? How can you, how can you sort of, um, you know, continue to not get the benefits both in the short term and the longer term? So I, I'm really pleased that the minister, the local government minister, has indicated that it's something they do want to continue in the longer term. In, indeed, Robert Jenrick has said he, he would love them to continue. So, I, you know, I'm very optimistic that hopefully this was a, a case of maybe process around the legislation, getting in a way of something that actually there's really, really broad consensus on. But just kind of diving into your point, I mean, I think we've we've seen, uh, you know, great, great strides um, that C MHCLG have made, the local digital collaboration um, unit have made to harness the power of technology for good over the past few years. And it, it seems like this is one where something, you know, use of Zoom and other video conferencing platforms can also be extended. So we recently formed a local government digital Zoom user group, which is already having lots of local government officials sharing their ideas on not just the sort of council meetings bit, the Jackie Hanforth bit, but also looking 
um, more broadly at uses, so how you engage directly with um, kind of residents in an area, uh, and you know how can you you facilitate a move to more hybrid and flexible working for council staff um, as well, which I think is is really really interesting. Um, you know, I think citizens, residents want to see you know where it is easy to deploy technologies like Zoom, which have you know low friction, um, safe and secure for use. You know, if we can make those commonplace, you know, Zoom was the most downloaded app of 2020 above the Track and Trace app. You know, people are using this day to day. They want to see that their you know that their representatives at local government are kind of keeping pace with the time. So I think it's a, it's a really really exciting time, and that extends not just with the, the future of remote council meetings in the, in the chamber as it were but also looking to wider uses as well. Yeah and I guess on that point um, what role can councils play as we plan for a, for a, a hybrid and more flexible future of work? Yeah it's a really good question so I think there's firstly we'll take sort of councils themselves so you know if you take somewhere like the greater london authority they have announced that they're moving out of city hall they're going to relocate to um uh, a base in, in east london allow their employees to have more flexible working um they're making cost savings and they're thinking about how hybrid working so having that mix of people in the office and working from home can make a difference and that's you know something that's great to see a kind of a, a big authority like like london mayor of london doing but it's also something that we're hearing from customers increasingly across the country looking at you know do we need these big costs in office spaces can we use those office spaces in in different ways do we need the ongoing costs but also you know are we are we going to think differently about the working week will we have offices come in certain t certain days of the week um you know certain team catch up in person times but actually we want to have more flexible working because actually there's a lot of um, you know, parents that work in local government um, and, and so on and so forth. So there's that kind of first bit where we're seeing more and more councils thinking about flexible working, but also about hybrid working, where you have that mix of people um, in, in the office, so to speak, and from home who can who can engage with each other, you know, at a level of parity. We have a really cool offering called Zoom Rooms, which has means you can go into an office and, you know, people in the meeting can have interact in a, in a, in a safe and, and secure way with people at home, which happy to talk more about. Um, but there's I think that there's that first bit of what councils can do as councils themselves for their employees. I think secondly, there's what councils can do. Um, to support businesses in their areas, working with local chambers of commerce and so forth, who will be really thinking about what what do their hybrid working um, practices look like? You know, businesses of all different different parts of the the local economy starting to think about about their needs. And actually, I think there is a, a role there for for councils to sort of sh a show leadership themselves in in how they're they're doing this, but. The, just as many councils have supported local businesses with with uh, through the pandemic, also helping them to to build forward, to build back better, whatever you want to call it, in 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 how they they do their their own schemes to support local businesses, and there are really interesting things there around the kind of future of the high street and 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 how kind of hybrid world blends with the future of the high street. I think, but um, I'll leave it at that for now. That's really interesting, and you've touched on um, the role of local government itself and um, we've seen it evolve over this last year we've seen councils act as that you know enabler across the place collaborating and um, 
with partners across it, you know, as you touched on um, business groups, communities, academia and many more. Um, what do you see as the council of the future and where will tech sit? Oh, the council of the future. What a, what a, what a great vision. I mean, I think, you know, councils, local governments are there first and foremost to, to kind of serve their, their residents, serve, serve the people that they're there to present. And I think that there are you know, certain expectations that residents now have, as, as has been well discussed, uh, that citizens now have to um, be using the best of technology in a really seamless, seamless way. So, you know, whereas it could, you know, sometimes you might need to speak to a, an officer about a particular piece of casework, as councillors often do, you know, that there would be frictions around making that happen. Actually, you know, a, a thing like Zoom, where you can have waiting rooms and surgeries and how counsellors can can do things like that in a way that makes them much more accessible, uh, I think is, is really, really um, exciting. And we've seen that, you know, I guess a lot of MPs more and more are now doing this, having kind of virtual surgeries and drop-in sessions over Zoom. And we're seeing, you know, local counsellors doing increasing scale as well, which is, which is really exciting. Um, you know, technology has to, you know, has an ever ongoing role to play in the delivery of public services. I mean, that's a sort of, you know, for, for Tech UK, that is a, that's a fairly <laughs> obvious statement. But, you know, I think it is really under, councils have a, a real thing to, to understand at the level that the resident wants to interact at. So making sure that those user needs of citizens is, is really, really front and foremost. Those needs of businesses who actually, they don't always want to, you know, spend 90 minutes traveling across town to go to a session um, that, you know, they want to know that they're working with the sort of business leads within the council or local authority um, in a more seamless way. So actually just being really responsive, being respectful of people's time and how they interact with, with people, key parts of the kind of local government stakeholder audience. I think, you know, these are things where kind of enhanced communications technologies can really, really play at all. I mean, we we talk a lot about, you know, obviously data driven public public services um, and, you know, you know, there's all of these things absolutely have to be at the forefront. But I think if you don't get that front end right, the experience that that councils have with their citizens, that councils have with their key kind of businesses and other groups, you know, those interactions, those communications are so, so important and what, what are kind of what, what can, can make or break projects. So if you've got really good communications tool at the heart of what you're doing, that, that can just make a transformative difference. Excellent. And I guess as well, um, another lesson from the from the year um, gone is very much that tech and digital doesn't just sit with the IT team. We are all utilising it and the, you know, leaders, the CEO no longer has an excuse to say they don't get um, digital. So what would be your um, key message to council leaders as they build back better and fairer for their places in local economies? Yeah, that's that's a really great question. I think it's a particularly great question given, you know, we've had local election results which have thrown up, um, you know, some interesting results where we've got new administrations or, you know, greater number of places with kind of no overall control. And actually, you know, my message to council leaders would be to to remind, you know, colleagues, not just in, you know, if, if it's a council lucky enough to have a sort of digital cabinet lead or if it's a council where, you know, actually reminding every member of your cabinet that digital has a role to play in your portfolio and we should you know as a local authority to be to be striving to make the the best use of of adoption and, and as I say putting 
that the user needs really at the the front and foremost of that. So, um, you know, I think there's you know there is a huge amount on local authorities at the moment. There is a, you know a, you know ever greater kind of fiscal um, financial challenges, but being prepared to make some bold decisions around hybrid working, around flexible working, will will really also get more out of workforce responding to the needs of of the people that that kind of work for you and and also showing that you're being um doing more with less effectively with how you're using those those assets such as buildings if you don't need the big buildings in the same way as maybe we did historically so i think be bold um you know we talk about building forward at zoom uh, rather than build back better and you know showing that leadership that you know, technology isn't something to be to be scared of uh, in in local government. Um, you know, it's actually a necessity to invest in in good good tools that really put people at, and, and the ways that we communicate with them at their heart. That it's a two way dialogue is is absolutely key. Great, some solid advice, and I do like that. Be bold. <laughs> I feel like we should send that as a sticker to um, every leader. Um, before, before we play Charlotte is there anything else you'd like to add? I mean it's just it's been a real pleasure to participate in Tech UK's work on, on digital place in recent months I think what is really really interesting is you take this sort of rather live issue on remote council meetings you know the fact that we've got the kind of unity between Tech UK and the LGA and councils up and down the land kind of really shows how in a very short space of time, um, you know, the, these kind of key groups, the, the country's kind of moved on in terms of things don't have to be done in, in big chambers, keeping people there till 10 o'clock at night and so forth for council meetings. Actually, we can we can do things, we can do things differently that work better for the people that work for councils and ultimately work better for the for the people that they're they're there to serve. Yeah, and that's a great reflection to, to end on and also collaboration in action. But thank you so much, Charlotte, for your thank excellent you. um, insight. Yeah, it's been really great having you on the Digital Place podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm delighted to be joined by Jonathan Lloyd, Assistant Director, Strategy and Design in Corporate Development at the London Borough of Walden Forest on this Tech UK podcast. Jonathan, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much. It's really great to be here. Now, before we begin, can you tell me a bit more about your role at the London Borough of Walden Forest and I guess the connection with digital? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a kind of eclectic set of areas um, at Waltham Forest. Um, I suppose the first one would be service design and research and insight, which is um, sort of kind of the service that we're really proud of. So carrying out service design, but also community research and engagement. And that works very, very closely with the policy side of um, my services. You know, that would be anything from kind of corporate strategy to new approaches to food poverty and um, areas like that. Um, I've also I'm also responsible for the community service, which kind of we might talk a bit about today, which includes volunteering, our relationship with the voluntary sector, and again some some of the kind of more interesting part participation elements of of what of what we do. Finally, I have business intelligence, which is a service that is responsible for data insights and performance. I suppose 
a little bit how that plays up with digital. So I suppose some examples would be what we're working on at the moment would be at the moment, my service designers are looking at how we might move to the new town hall. So our town hall has been refurbished. And what does that mean now in terms of more people working from home and that hybrid working? So they'll be looking at uh, different uh, ways that we can use technology to ensure that that hybrid working is really, really effective. So almost looking at it from a, an ex experience of, of staff and indeed visitors as well. And service design is really important for, from, from that kind of perspective. Also looking at those kind of those different operating models around public services in, in terms of in terms of how we might respond to the pandemic going forward and, and the lessons that we've we were learning from the pandemic. I suppose you know my business intelligence services is critical in helping the organisation become more data driven, creating kind of dashboards and not only show outputs but you know show insights and outcomes which help them as as leaders and and, and staff to to kind of respond to problems before they become more severe and to perhaps think about their service in a little bit of a different way. Um, finally, a kind of policy in communities has been a kind of a, an, an incredible year in terms of, you know, normally um, those areas pride themselves on getting close to residents and working with residents and being out there in the community. And you know, during the pandemic, that's made it less less possible in, in 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 a kind of engagement way but more possible more possibilities have arisen in terms of using technology and um you know generating great interest in volunteering or you know engaging using technology in, in different ways so digital has been uh, always been an important part of those areas but has become probably an increasingly important part um over the last 12 months Wow, there's a great, great mix. And yeah, lots, lots there, which I'm sure we'll discuss um, in a bit more detail um, during this um, podcast. And I can imagine it was quite a busy year as well um, for you and many others within um, local government, um, Jonathan. Um, so this podcast is on Digital Place. And earlier this month in May, um, we held the Digital Place um, Week, looking at how um, digital is renewing our sense of community engagement um, and local democracy. We were delighted to have you contribute to that. Um, you kindly um, did a guest blog for us. And in that, you mentioned Walden Forest's digitally driven COVID-19 citizens panel. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I won't be surprised to anyone working in local government or indeed anyone potentially working in, in areas that had to deal with the, the or support interventions around the pandemic. I suppose what's, what was really challenging over the last 12 months in terms of like in terms of you know managing and delivering services was I, the, the the overlap of uncertainty. So you know not knowing what's going to happen next. I mean you never really know, but you know the uncertainty was ramped up dealing with the complexity so you know we, we were you know we were moving into areas where public public health areas areas like vaccination that we might ne might not have been as proactive as as before we not not needed to be and obviously at the same time that's crisis so you know have to operate at incredible speeds and and also all that within the context of context of of, of how important trust is so if we think about um think about the council's response to the pandemic if we'd have just you know done it in our office and um, looked at some limited limited insights from a month ago that were probably like london-wide and kind of made decisions uh, along those lines we would have 
we, we would have not really understood that um, complexity and we would not have been able to at least kind of map a path ahead in that uncertainty um, as well as as well as as well as we, we could do and also building trust it, 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 you know doing things in isolation and making decisions without involving people is not a great way to build trust so within all that with all that context we wanted to just work with people, you know, share our decisions and share our potential approach with them as we're going along in our response to the pandemic. And that response could could include, you know, decisions we're making around enforcements or, or areas of support that we needed to provide within our communities. The way we decided to do that would be, well, um, in the past, we've been really successful in working directly with residents, especially when those residents are representative of our borough. So in a really inclusive way, we are engaging with people who match the demographics of our borough, for example. It's a really di- diverse and exciting place, Waltham Forest. You know, re- really you know, big, long-standing South Asian and, and Black um, Caribbean and African communities that we you know have had also been disproportionately impacted against uh, the, the the pandemic in, in lots of different ways so really important that when we were talking to people we we're talking to people that were representative of, of Waltham Forest so we decided to create a citizens panel and that would be 70 residents who were people that you know wanted to share their insights and their experiences and their views around the pand- pandemic probably and in, in fact in in all their cases were, were people not, you know, hadn't really been part of lots of engagement processes before. They just really wanted to kind of contribute. And they were indeed representative of the borough in terms of disability, age, ethnicity, etc. And normally, obviously, we'd, we'd, you know, be in a room. But actually, it helped in a way to um, use technology and to, and to kind of Get, get in contact with them at key moments during the pandemic. So, and we we did it in lots of different ways and used technology to to get different types of insights. So, for example, when we wanted to understand what where people were feeling safe and unsafe around the pandemic, we used you know, low level citizen science and used a platform called Commonplace for people to pinpoint areas where they were feeling safe or unsafe and 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 sharing their experiences. Um, around that, which is really useful insight for us to help better inform and 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 play a kind of key role in in, in helping people feel safe and be be safer as well. But we also carried out um, engagement um, sessions and focus groups, you know, using uh, using Zoom, but also using kind of survey um, uh, technology as well throughout the process to really get an understanding of how attitudes and behaviours were were changing like, throughout the pandemic. And there were key moments when we had you know real challenges. Um, people there were there were parts of our community that that weren't engaging testing services, for example, as mu- as much as as much as we'd like. So we'd have a specific focus group with members of our South Asian community. You know what what's happening in terms of you know is the information you're getting good enough? Are the places more accessible or or or, or in the you know the right locations, for example? And just being able to in a really kind of fleet of foot way engage with our residents that way, we'll be able to then improve testing provision and improve, improve awareness of testing to the point that um, actually uh, at one point our South Asian community were getting more tests than than average for example so it just goes to show just how effective how effective that was and I, I you know I, I feel that actually a, a kind of traditional meeting structure that didn't have the agility that technology provides 
wouldn't help us to be as responsive and as specific and perhaps even use some of the more creative approaches such as citizen science to get the insights to help us be the best we can be for our residents in in, in facing what you know the, the 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 challenges around the pandemic that's great thank you so much for sharing that with us and definitely um a great case study and as you mentioned technology has really helped us to keep connected and we've also seen um, the use of data enable organisations across the place to work together and signpost volunteers to support those that need it the most and I think my reflections are we are seeing that shift from pure service delivery to outcome focus Um, what are your thoughts and reflections on that? No I do agree and I I do agree that we are seeing a shift from from service delivery to outcome focus in, in in many more areas than than we than we saw before. I think I suppose a, ref, a, a reflection is that I think like many councils that I've my previous council and my council now is as you know fi- uses outcomes in a really thoughtful strategic way for being able to provide focus and to you know align kind of key performance measures that reflect the achievement of outcomes and that's that's great but I suppose what we found in the pandemic is the power of outcomes within our community but a kind of key reflection of that is those out a challenge of outcomes is they can be so broad that they're not necessarily they can just feel Kind of quite distant from people but I think what we found in the pandemic when we talk about vaccination or we talk about helping people um, get food or we talk, we're talking about the loneliness of shielders those outcomes are quite immediate um, when you you know you, you write them and you create them as outcomes with a clear objective within them they feel really immediate and they feel indeed you know emotional and I think we're actually as a council as in, indeed I know many colleagues across sector are, are probably thinking about actually the way we've handled you know, it's great to be outcome focused, but actually those outcomes, if you're, you know, if you're working with residents and partners need to feel very immediate and, and, and very real where you can almost feel the action and the change um, w- within them. So, you know, help, helping people to get vaccinated and like I said, and, and, and around help, you know, helping people to not be hungry are very immediate outcomes and actually are sl- slightly, you know, almost kind of shared community outcomes which I think um, are an interesting and exciting way forward for us to work in different ways with uh, our communities, our residents, our you know, the, the voluntary sector and community even statutory partners. So most of us reflections are thinking going forward about are about about ensuring that we do find those you know almost shared community outcomes for attracting further opportunities around volunteering, for coming together in diverse and uh, diverse partnerships to kind of help to kind of solve and work towards those outcomes and not drifting back to massive broad outcomes like you know like best start in life which sit well on a strategy but don't necessarily sit well in creating kind of coalitions and immediate action around because they're so broad that they, they, they need to be a bit more bit more specific and a bit more immediate for people to kind of you know really throw themselves at. Yeah that's a really good point I- Actually, something I've not considered often when I talk about, I guess, a service delivery these outcome focused. No, that's a really interesting um, take. Also wanted to get your thoughts, Jonathan, in terms of how do we build on the momentum of the, you know, last year now um, when it comes to utilising digital and data to design services that put citizens first and empowers communities and, you know, really enables, um, we talk a lot about partnership, but actual meaningful partnerships working across the place. 
I mean, I think um, there's clearly been loads of fantastic examples in local government, in my own council, and I know in councils around me and all, all across the UK, where where that sort of energy and those those new partnerships and coalitions have, have perhaps built on you know previous attempts, but have again accelerated and, and delivered like incredible incredible things. I suppose the, the, the role in technology is interesting. Like, you know, there are three areas which we, where we think that uh, there's real opportunity. One would be around that that volunteering and participation. So, you know, during the pandemic, we had um, over we had more volunteers than we could reason physically use. We had so we had over four thousand registered volunteers in terms of wanting to make a difference within their community, and and many of those people did, you know, were wanted to formally volunteer, and they probably did um, informal things as well, like checking in on neighbours, etc. But having that just that sheer interest in volunteering was a real challenge, and um, one that we, you know, we did have to um, adapt and, and and develop our digital response to in terms of being able to. Um, offer those um, volunteers opportunities and in, 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 in diverse opportunities. So, you know, from being able to see what opportunities are available to managing their own shifts to providing feedback, that was a kind of new challenge for us that we had to, you know, previously we'd been doing things on a relatively you know, smaller scale. So, we, we, you know, I, I think being able to develop, you know, road, robust digital platforms to manage that level of, um, you know, desire to make a difference is, 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 is a definite challenge and one that we've we've risen to and one we're thinking about you know, how can how can we take even even further but i, I suppose a, a, you know a, a problem that we're wrestling with is you know how right that's great for formal volunteering what else can we do that in a digital space that helps you know that that helps perhaps you know informal acts of kindness even or informal coming together to you know tackle local social problems without kind of trying to replicate what facebook does but you know it, it, you know there, there, there feels like there's potential and there's an opportunity there to kind of tap into because not everybody wants to do you know three vaccination volunteer shifts and over a weekend and that's fine and then i think there's a kind of Again, there's another opportunity where we saw the pandemic. People are really up for coming together, sharing ideas, whether it's through the citizen panel, whether it's within their communities, to help improve their com communities. And that, you know, you could describe that as social innovation. And is there an opportunity to use this technology there to help? Where you know more linear social media plat platforms aren't that great. Is there is is, is there an opportunity um, to use technology to for help kind of help people to develop like social innovation you know, products and and, and 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 come together to develop those and then I suppose the, the, the final one that we're we're finding is and, and, and similar to the panel is like there's there's a real appetite to to make a diff, you know to share insights and experience as long as they can see they're, they're making a difference so you know platforms like commonplace were really good for were really good and we were just we're just thinking about well there's lots of desire to to share insights and experience and even carry out small scale citizen science um, experiments. And if you're thinking about the climate challenge, there's a huge opportunity there. What what digital technology can we um, use to kind of help facilitate that and then play back those insights and that learning so people are part of that part, part of that community again to kind of help him help improve our borough. And I think those are really important things that we're, we're yeah, that we're developing but we could do with lots of um, input and, and ideas around and when we're looking at facing some of the kind of challenges over of the future challenges over the next 12 months. Great yeah and I think this ties in nicely to I guess 
the second part we've had we've definitely looked at the last year and it's definitely been a year of changing you've already touched on um yeah rethinking how things um are done which is great to hear and you know many organizations many councils i've been talking to you know are starting to um reimagine you know, the future and what that council of the future looks like um could you tell us a bit more about the vision at Waltham Forest and plans for recovery and, you know, as we build back better, as they say, and fairer, most importantly, for our places and communities? What's the vision there? Yeah, and we're working on it at the moment, but I'll start with I'll start with some of the insights that we are getting from residents. Very recent insights that kind of that's that's shaping our understanding and shaping kind of our approach. We carried out a lot of research over the last twelve months, you know, partly through the panel, but also and through, through other through other means as well. Um, I mean, on one survey alone, um, we had over four thousand response, which is a huge like. For, for a borough it's a huge response and that just shows how engaged and interested um, people are in terms of um, in terms of the pandemic and to, you know keen to share their experiences and their views what we're finding at the moment is in terms of like looking to the future we're we're seeing increased optimism but not without trepidation and i think that's a challenge for councils to be able to to kind of to re remember and understand you know, the, the, for, for many people, the kind of the trauma and anxiety that, that they've been through, but at the same time that, you know, there is a renewed optimism and both those things can be true at the same time. So we have to kind of you know, remember, but also, you know, also build build a kind of you know brighter future, more resilient future based on the you know, things we've experienced. So people are looking forward to many normal things, whether it's, um, as you would expect, whether it's seeing each other, hugging someone or, you know, or you know, going to their place of worship or the pub or whatever. So keen to to kind of support that really and 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 i know that's quite practical but it's um it's just incredibly important obviously to our to our residents at the same time people do still have lots you know some people are in different places and again the need to respect that um and i actually think you know technology plays a role in that in in, in helping people to stay engaged and and to in, to stay to continue to access things that they need when people are in different places in terms of responding to normal and inverted commas but the people are really keen that we learn from the past and this is really important in terms of feeding you know our vision and, and approach um people during the pandemic people felt it was really positive to support local business and the stronger connection within they feel a stronger connection to the local area and indeed you know a, a renewed desire to kind of participate and make their neighborhood and communities better and obviously people like their improved working patterns and accessing green spaces that sometimes for the first for the first time but their big big concerns remain around jobs um health especially men mental health uh, you know and i i i mean and particularly around um, some of our, our young people in both of those areas of real, real concern and worry about the challenges that we face. And also just um, um, they're wanting to preserve and build on a lot of the kind of the things that they got them through the pandemic from green spaces to kind of, you know, lo local infrastructure and shops. So our focus is almost learning from that and, and building on that. And um, we did we do have a, pub, a public service strategy, which is an important strategy for us because it not only spells out our priorities, it celebrates that 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 the fact that we you know we have public service, for example, can anyone can do it. You know, we've seen um, businesses provide important services to our residents, and we've seen you know our residents come forward to deliver food and and help with the vaccination program. We've seen you know public servants do different jobs. Uh, 
that they've never <laughs> dreamed of doing. And I just that, so that 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 concept that public service is an act and and anyone can do it is is a, is a really important thing for us. And and that we're you know we we, we want to rally around these shared challenges and we want to play our role, but we want to want to help other people play our play our role. So that's kind of key key value and approach. But beyond that, you know, it, it is going to be very much around you know jobs, health, you know, with a looking at the disproportionate impacts of COVID as well as well and 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 then finally just you know being able to to tackle the climate emergency and 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 develop what we believe that, that is a a good opportunity further improving our neighborhoods which is the 15 minute neighborhoods and where people can access everything they need within a short walk or, or cycle those are really really those are really important priorities that are emerging from that learning excellent and again you've touched on it when you were talking about the notion of public service and how things are are delivered um you know that role of local government um is evolving from how it's working um with you know partners across that place i'd say there's definitely not those territorial boundaries saying you know we as the council deliver this you do that i think that last year has has definitely seen that organic place-based working um i guess on that what do you see as the council of the um future and how will that change the way we solve problems yeah that's a really good question i think um i i, I think i mentioned pr- previously this there's I think there are three, there are three, three more acute challenges that, that provide that context. And I, I wonder if any, you know, if I got a time machine and went back to local government like 30 years ago, they would still be there, but they do feel, they do feel <laughs> pretty, um, pretty acute at, at the moment. And, and that is around, for example, complexity. So a lot of the challenges we've talked about, um, you know, climate, for example, and um, if we're talking about um, inequality and some of, the, some of the experiences of, you know, racism and prejudice, these are these are really complex challenges where there's no single organisation. They can make a difference, but actually, you know, they require kind of lots of different people across a broader system to to really make it, you know, really make a difference and to work sometimes to work in unison to make those, you know, to make those changes that we need to make. So complexity is is a real challenge and many of the challenges talked about in the in, in in the public service strategy again are are complex and you know require like new ways of working to 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 make a difference and i think um i think uncertainty feels more acute than it's done previously you know there are t- you know we fairness we we're, we're talking now and in a week's time the you know some of the variants could have changed the roadmap and we could be you know have a different conversation around priorities and, and health response it's very very uncertain and it has been for a long time so you know long-term strategies and plans feel a little bit like reckless and <laughs> they don't feel as useful as they did um and and that's yeah that's anxiety inducing as well and i think the final one is that trust ha- there's been some significant areas around where there's been a potentially a crisis of trust and I, I, I I'm not saying that local government is perfect by any means but there are you know we have we've been lucky and Waltham Forest and many of you know many colleagues have you know maintained a you know reasonable level of trust with our residents and our residents have looked to us and indeed we've you know we've we've worked together on on many things but there is there's there's concern around you know trust in terms of particularly with you know some institutions and indeed indeed central government and if you you know 
it's a kind of famous quote that I always always like, and that is, you know, change happens at the speed of trust. If you don't have trust, then that change is not going to happen, especially when when you're when you're thinking about the complexity that you're operating in. So within that within that context, I think like what does the council of the future look like? You you know you you're responding to the, to those three challenges, and I think you know, designing services across operational silos is absolutely critical, and perhaps even designing services that cross you know cross organizational silos as well is is is, re- is really important you know th- again we're thinking about climate change we're thinking about um you know what might make the biggest difference to poverty we can't councils and and, and departments within councils need to you know need to see it from the human perspective and need to design services in a, in a m- much more creative way i think that you know i i suppose as a kind of as a leader within a council i probably have I've got better at, at, at when I see a problem and thinking how do how can we solve this problem together than jumping to a solution and and that 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 involves bringing tech partners in that involves bringing residents in and that or you know a whole range of of people so I think that that that, that that's super important so you know um people's people's relation you know the, the relationships and networks that you develop as a leader within local government are as important as you know your outputs in many ways and i think that's a, that's probably a, a definitely an important important framing for the council of the future i think we need to be much better uh, as an enabler as you kind of mentioned earlier georgina in terms of of helping people make a difference so often that should be kind of demand-led you know you can't artificially create these differences we're quite quite good at waltham forest of like when people come forward and saying they want to do something, we can usually respond to that and actually think about oh, how do we get out of the way as you know, we, if, if, how, how do we support that? And indeed, you know, I work with food banks or snow angels and things like that are kind of examples of that. But always thinking about how can we be an enabler for people to to make a difference, whether that's, um, you know, whether that's supporting um, or getting out of the way or, or, or whatever it takes, really. I think if you went into the future, perhaps councils could learn a little bit more from in, indeed their elected members or people within the community to be a bit more kind of activist uh, in terms of mentality, getting closer to the communities, you know, sometimes even embedding themselves in the communities that are impacted, you know, most significantly and, and you know, learning and, and, and developing solutions together. I think that, I hope, you know, you'd hope to see that in the council of the future and some of the work we're doing at Waltham Forest, you know, appropriately in appropriate areas, um, you know, matches that spirit and an approach and I, I i think you alluded to it you know, more diverse partnerships are really important you know we work with uh, lots of different universities through cape you know ucl in particular obviously you know tech uk to be able to you know to be able to kind of bring together that diversity of thought you know the dream is to bring you know academics tech companies uh residents that are experiencing the problem uh officers that are kind of trying to manage the the service that um, that they want to improve you know together to 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 kind of you know develop and understand and you know make make those changes and I think you just kind of see that um a lot more in 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 councils of the future I could go on but I suppose um those are kind of you know those are some of the kind of key areas that i i I feel that we're developing we're developing at Waltham forest but you know you know that quite some of them are a bit more utopian than others. No, that's great. Thank you so much for that. Definitely lots for us to think about um, for local government peers, but also for industry partners there. Yeah, you know, you've know, you got me thinking. I think, yeah, we could have a podcast dedicated to that um, in itself. Thank you. And before we close, Jonathan, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, just um, thank you for, for the opportunity. 
but I, I yeah, nothing, no, nothing more to to add. Um, but just yeah, I thank you. Look forward to hearing it, and look forward to to talking to to colleagues in different sectors about it. No, thank you, Jonathan, for your excellent insights. It's been great having you on this Tech UK Digital Place podcast. Thank you. Uh, it's absolutely a pleasure. Thank you, Jordan. I really appreciate it. Huge thank you for listening. I've been your host, Georgina Marathaftis. To find out more about our Digital Place work and the local public services programme, you can get in touch at georgina.marathaftis at techuk.org or find me at Georgina Marath on Twitter. And of course, visit the Tech UK website. Thank you for listening. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.